When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder, Taryn Sharma, a Metsy's series win, a huge Metsy's series win, and a much needed Metsy's series win. Taryn, welcome back, buddy. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, Tim. Um I, you know, it had been a month. I, I wasn't even sure if the Mets could do that anymore. So uh, that was <laughs> that was fun to see. It was great to see that fight. Are you familiar with the scene in, uh, I believe it was Major League Two? No, it was Major League the first one, where if you win, you know, you win two in a row or you win three in a row, it's called a winning streak. It, ha- it has happened before, and the Mets are knocking on the door, man. It's uh, It's been a wild few days. It's been a crazier first uh, last six weeks, I should say, but um, – these signs of life were extremely encouraging and really couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah, and I think you and I are pretty uh, rational fans. Um, we, we've seen a lot of ball, and uh, as much as we like to fly by the seat of our pants over the span of 162, I think you and I both try to keep a lot of perspective. That's something that we've talked about so much uh, on this show and especially going into this year. So, um I'm I'm glad that we've thought about it that way, and you know I I'm never ready to write the season off, especially when a team is hovering around 500. They've had terrible injuries. They haven't had good starting pitching. They haven't had a lot of the guys that they've relied upon. They've got a lot of guys in funks. There there are a lot of things that can be turned around with this team, and I think that they showed that they they have a blueprint to win games, and uh, and they executed it in a couple of different ways uh over the span of this series yeah oh and you know it seems like they're trying to push every button they can right now um to get things going like i I think that i I know i mentioned it on twitter and i might have even mentioned it here but you know the way things were going were unsustainably bad um every everything that could have went wrong went wrong for the most part you know there were some bright spots but overall um like you said, the blueprint that this team has to win just really wasn't being fulfilled. And uh, yeah, what we saw over the last few days, you know, pretty much from from the button on the top of the cap down to the cleats, it was, you know, top to bottom. They were doing just about everything right. And even when things were falling apart, they did not lose their cool and put on one of the more spectacular shows we've seen out of this team in, uh, in some time. Um, I'm going to jump right into Pete because what he did over this Tampa Bay series was uh, incredible. Three home runs in in three consecutive games, uh, six RBIs, looking hot again and doing it all uh, a bit under the weather. I know allergies have me um, (laughs) feeling it. And uh, he he did not look too uh, too great during his post game interviews, despite the uh, the LFGM the explicit version, uh, <laughs> which was awesome to see. Um, 
Yeah, boy, what what he can do for this team as far as turning them around, huh? Yeah, that was big time, especially for a Tampa kid, right? That was pretty cool. Um, he, because there aren't like a ton of what we would think of as like huge power bats in the lineup, like Pete being right, Pete like going uh, the way that we know that he can when he gets on a heater, that makes such a big difference for this lineup. And, um, you know, he's a guy that, that cares so deeply. And you see that when, when they ask like in the post game scrum, did you ever think about not playing given that you're not feeling well? And he was like, no, my job is professional baseball player. And as long as I'm physically able to go, he'll be out there. And, um, and he's a really tough guy and, and, and really emblematic of, you know, what we would like to see out of this team. Um, Especially because uh, I think Pete has a great deal of belief. And um, when when you think about, you know, your back is against the wall, two outs in the ninth, you're down three runs and it, it, call it a rational confidence or whatever. But, but Francisco Alvarez goes up there and he believes that he can tie the game with one swing and he does it. And, and so I think that that, that feeling, that belief uh, and maybe his cold is contagious. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, that was awesome. It was awesome. And you know what it reminded me of? Um, you, you remember that game? Uh, it was back and forth the entire way uh, last year in Philadelphia in August. Sure. Um, like the Mets started in a hole and then uh, they came back. Uh, they ended up in another hole, the Nate Fisher game. But yeah. Uh, and Marcana ended up with those two home runs and, and, and put it away for the Mets. That's what it reminded me of where they went punch for punch with, with a really good team. And we haven't necessarily seen that. They haven't really been going punch for punch with bad teams either. So um, to see the Mets rise to the occasion here, it was really exciting and they get it too, right? Like what was all, all the post-game commentary was like, this is something for us to build on. And, and so I'm really excited about where they're at. They've got another big series coming up. I'm glad that, uh, that they'll be able to stay at home for a little bit longer. Um, it's exciting. It is, it is. And it's all kind of coming together in, in like almost compartmentalized ways. Like, all right. So you're having, of course, we've seen how important Starling Marte has been, and he was really struggling to start off the year. Um, I know over the past seven days, he's up to like, I think a 350 average somewhere in that neighborhood. Just yeah, real quick on Marte, he's still due for extra base hit. So still more to look forward to with him and his resurgence. Oh, absolutely. Um, Jeff McNeil, who, you know, never really turned off, but wasn't probably the Jeff McNeil that we're used to over the last seventies, uh, last seven days, he's pushing over, over three forty batting average. Mark is coming back around over his last five, seven games or so. Um, Eduardo Escobar, Eduardo Escobar is taking to this bench role, you know, precisely as everyone hoped he would. Um, and again, it just adds so many layers and so much more depth and a new dynamic to this ball club. Now that the kids are in the mix and they're getting, you know, we all know how Buck is with his playing time and this, with a deep roster, I guess 
you have to kind of do that. But, you know, if you didn't see the benefits of having, albeit raw youth, but such talented youth instilled into your lineup, boom, right now, you're ready, you're there, you're here, go produce. You know, Brett Beatty, who's been up and down, but again, to be expected, uh, had a very nice series, he had a home run in the first game, he had a, a base hit, um, uh, RBI base hit, I believe, in in, uh, in Thursday's game. Of course, you know, what Francisco Alvarez and Mark Fientos did. Um, just the buzz that it creates when you bring these guys up and sure. and whether the Mets can kind of parlay that into momentum. And I think, you know, the, I think it, it has to be a nod to the energy or the, the renewed energy in that clubhouse bringing guys in and saying, all right, guys, look, you're going to have new blood in here itching for plate appearances. You're going to have to produce and earn your keep. And hopefully what we're seeing from Canna and Escobar and, and, you know, Marte almost got the feeling that he's dealing with something other than just production issues, maybe some injury issues, but it's, it's all kind of coming together and, and no, it's not too late. And, um, you know, I, I won't lie. I was at the point last week where, you know, and I said it, I think I was pretty open about it where I'm very optimistic, but there wasn't really much to be optimistic about. And boy, if there was ever a way to just caffeinate an entire fan base, taking two or three from the best team in baseball is a damn way to damn good way to do it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you'll allow me to play dugout psychologist for just a second, it's tough to lose, especially with a team that has done a lot of winning. And so you spend a month losing with a pretty weak schedule, teams that you think that you should beat, teams that aren't as talented on paper. That's got to be frustrating. And and I think that it's draining if day after day you're giving up these first inning runs, you're always trailing, you're always trying to scrap and claw from behind. All of that takes a lot of energy, right? And one thing with the 2022 Mets is that they had excellent starting pitching, um, so it was like reliable that you would be up a run or two going into the middle innings. And, and that really makes a difference. If you're not having to use all of your energy day after day to, to fight back against teams that are playing more loose than you uh, because they don't necessarily have the, the expectations that, that this New York Mets team does. It's um you know, that, that's just, that's a, it's a different type of perspective. And so I think that when you call up new guys, right, these young guys, they don't necessarily have those expectations kind of weighing them down. They don't have um, so, so much worry. They're just kind of like excited to be in the moment. And these are guys that can contribute. It's enough to lose mentality. Absolutely. And, and I mean, they, they all want to do well. And so that drives them and, and uh, all of them obviously have a tremendous work ethic to get to this point. Um, they've all had to prove themselves at the AAA level. There's still one more down there who, uh, who I think can, can contribute to this team. But as much as uh, the Mets have had offensive struggles, uh, the issues that this team has are so much more dependent on the pitching. Um, you, you saw what happened in these two games where you got a great start from Senga and that 12 strikeouts. Uh, he had all of his pitches working. 
Uh, fastball was really popping. He was able to throw that ghost fork where it was starting in the zone and, uh, and, and getting the swing and miss. Um, and, and then you had a great start from Tyler McGill, only two runs given up. I, I mean, he's been really fantastic over his last few starts. That is what has made a difference in these last two games. And I know that, you know, if the Mets want to get where they, they're ultimately hoping to get to October and and hopefully a deep run, a, a deeper run than last year, it's going to come down to pitching. And so they haven't had necessarily um, good outings from Max or, uh, or JV. And so if they can get more of that from those guys, which was expected, in addition to what we're seeing now from Senga and uh, and from uh, McGill, that's massive. That that makes a huge difference, and I think that really puts the Mets in a good position to be able to turn this thing around over a longer period of time than just a couple of games. Oh, and it's it's if they want to make any waves this season, it's got to be that way. They that they have to you know, keep on climbing that hill. And, and, you know, thankfully they haven't really dug themselves into that much of a hole besides of just lowered expectations. I mean, you could look at a number of teams who have won world series and been at or around 500 in the middle of May. It, it happens, but um, you know what the Mets have as far as, you know, in their reserves, as far as who's there on their roster and who who's what their track records say they should do. Um, yeah, no, there, there's still a lot of hope here and you're right. It all comes down to the pitching in, in particular, the starting pitching. And I think you kind of saw that blueprint play out in its own way. This, this series versus Tampa Bay starters were going length. Um, I don't recall if Verlander made it to six, but I know Senga did. I know McGill did. And, you know, I think the Mets, just to speak on what you were saying before about McGill, the Mets are, I believe, six and three in his starts this year. No, he's not up to, yeah, he's up to nine starts. Six and three in his starts this year, which is, you know, his ERA is a shade under four, and that's great. That's terrific for a back-end guy, but team wins on the games that he starts. That's a very, very important piece to to the puzzle. Um, I liked what I saw from Max's last time out. I think he was very pleased with where he was at, considering he was, you know, having some trouble finding that, that rhythm. Um, are you concerned at all with Verlander giving up uh, a, a lot of hard hit balls uh, that we saw on Tuesday? But um, just in general, he's been a bit inconsistent, and I know he's still probably getting his legs underneath him. Yeah, and and I think that's what it's a matter of. He had um, only. A couple of rehab starts, right? Only one yeah. or two. Yeah, two. And so, uh, if you think about it, like this is spring training for him. I don't know. I I, I think he has a ways to go before we're going to see him be as as sharp as we know he can be. Um, I don't know. You know me, Tim. Like, not much <laughs> really concerns me until uh, later in the year because <laughs> things can turn around so quickly. I mean, the Nats won a World Series when they were nineteen and thirty-one, famously. Um, at 60 games into this, uh, into the season, I think that hey, that's 50. Do you know who Sorry. finished with tied for the best record in the majors in the second half of that season with the Nats? Who's that? The New Nats? Nats. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I, yeah, you can dig yourself too much of a hole and, and not be able to get there, but, uh, I, I don't think the Mets have done that yet. Uh, as far as, 
Verlander specifically, I I think that we're going to to see a, a lot of guys, even really good players, struggle against that lineup. That Rays lineup is so deep. They are really like a, a, a great ball club. And really, they probably would have still single-digit losses if it weren't for their bullpen, um, which, you know, their, their entire staff has been beaten up a lot. But they've got um, – so many weapons on both sides and uh that's a great team so Verlander's a world-class team i know they they take a lot of heat and and it's un undue heat and i forget who it was but i i believe it was a it was a new york radio show was saying that oh it can't be it can't be real what they're doing Man, if you if you've been paying attention to this team at all and the players that they've been assembling and what those players are capable of, like Brandon Lau. All Brandon Lau has to do is stay healthy and he's an all-star level guy. He's a five-win, six-win, probably pushing seven-win guy. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cohen on the broadcast today was talking about Harold Ramirez. You saw that swing. You saw it when he was coming up with ooh, I want to say he was coming up with Toronto. You saw it when he was in Miami. Wander Franco. Wander Franco is going to be a star forever, but everyone should yeah, be familiar with him by now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and a Rosarena. Oh, Randy. He, you know, he made a, uh, uh, I guess, a lollipop throw on a left, which probably cost uh, – it allowed the Mets to, to – uh, I guess Jeff McNeil to get into scoring – to get into uh, over to third base. Uh, in, base run. Yeah. And it's a – um, you know – He's one of my really one of my more favorite players in the league these days. What he does in big spots is just incredible in in a Rosarena. But yeah, you know, I think every player is going to have mental lapses. It just seems like the Rays make so few of them, man. And even when they do, there's so much accountability. I think you shared it first, and I saw your tweet, and I'm, I said, "Oh, this is great." You happen to see Pete Fairbanks yeah. comments <laughs> after. Thursday night's loss. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday night's loss. Uh, Wednesday night's home run. He said, uh, "What was it, Pete? The the, the it was he an important time for the yeah. for the lesser Pete." <laughs> that yeah. was just great. I'm still kind of giggling at that man. I mean, it's a great outlook to have. It's a long season, and you just got to do better. And I think what the Mets are doing now as a team is saying, "Hey, looking in the mirror and say, we got to do better." Yeah, and and so. One other thing about Fairbanks before we leave that he had just come off the IL. I don't know if you had seen that, but he has like a, a nerve issue where he uh, he loses sensation in his fingers, particularly uh-huh. when it's cold. And um, it was a cold night at City on Wednesday, um, so uh, he wasn't making excuses for it. But I, I think that that probably has something to do with it too. And um, sure. but he uh, he took accountability and. Yeah, I think that one thing that they do, the Rays, that I really like is that they put an immense amount of game pressure on the other team. And so you saw them running all over the bases, which, um, as uh, Joe DeMeo pointed out, that's not on Alvarez. I saw some concern as to uh, Alvarez is getting run on. First of all, a lot of those throws were right there. Um I mean, he he is putting the ball where it needs to be in order to give his uh, defender a chance to get there. But really, as with most steals, that's on the pitcher. You've got to be quicker to the plate. You've got to be 
looking over, mixing up your timing. And I know that there's, uh, it's a little bit more difficult when you're also thinking about the pitch clock, but, uh, yeah, that, that was not on Alvarez. And I think that he'll continue to improve in that way also for, for whatever part of it, uh, it on the nose. And, and Joe, Joe's echoing what most smart baseball fans already know what, what you just said is that yeah. I would say 90% of stolen bases are on pitchers, slow deliveries and being slow to the plate and pitchers taking advantage, uh, excuse me, base runners taking advantage of that and priming it well. And even if pitchers aren't necessarily quote unquote, slow to the plate, there are just good base stealers who can time it perfectly. I mean, you can look fans of a certain age can remember, boom, Ricky Henderson could steal on anybody because he could just Ricky it so well. Yeah. Rod, Rod, I'm Mets fans. I'm dating myself. Roger Cedeno, Roger Cedeno, could steal bases on a whim. Whenever he wanted, he could just look at a guy, watch him throw two pitches and knew exactly when to go. And he would, he, I mean, he wouldn't always be safe, but boy, just a machine out there. Some guys just have a knack for it. And I'm a little alarmed that the Mets haven't been, I guess, taking more advantage of it. They're, you know, near the lower third of the league in stolen base attempts, stolen bases, um, well, actual stolen bases, caught stealings are uh, are okay, but they're again their attempts are low. Um, the team that they're about to face this weekend in the uh, Cleveland Guardians, this is a team that runs all over the diamond every chance they get. So uh, I have a feeling that Alvarez is going to get more than enough opportunity to show off that cannon arm that he has. That again, if if you're a fan, you know, giving Alvarez shit for for being for for not making throws i mean just look at him make snap throws to second base just to see if he can get a guy out because he knows he's that accurate and he knows he's that good that it's going to be close yeah i'm so impressed yeah. with everything he's doing um we could spend 45 minutes just on him <laughs> well uh, well hopefully he'll continue to have the opportunities because i saw that the mets are going to bring gary sanchez up uh hopefully that that doesn't mean that they're going to cut into Alvarez's playtime with Narvaez coming back soon. Um, yeah, I, I think that this kid is uh, is going to be a tremendous baseball player. And if you think about the, the age that he's at, 21 years old, Adley Rushman, who's probably now a top 15, top, top 25 player in baseball, uh, at, at 21 was not even close to the major leagues. So... Uh, this is this is a guy who has a chance to be really special for a, a really long time, and so um, that was the decision that the Mets made. Right? They they could have moved these prospects, and they have not to this point. Yeah, and uh, and, and it was for reasons like this. They really believe in that talent, and so um, I, I, I'm I'm excited to see these guys. I'm glad that they're up. Um, do you have anything else on the Rays, uh, or should we should we talk Cleveland? No, no. Last only thing on the Rays is that I hope that the uh, Mets will get to see them in October. Um, that would be great. At the end of the line because that is one fun team, and looks like the Mets could play up to their capability. But no, let's take a quick break. We'll talk about the Guardians, and uh, apparently we have a guest to talk about the Guardians. Yep. Awesome. All right. Cool. Hang tight, guys. Be right back. And we're back. Um, Guardians coming in for three. It's supposed to be a bit of a rainy weekend in New York. Not Sunday, but uh, 
I don't know exactly what the timing is, but I just looked at my uh, my app and we do have some clouds and some showers and such. So hopefully we get three in. But it looks like the uh, the Guardians are kind of in a similar position as the Mets. Um, of course, not with the <laughs> financial uh, expectations attached to them, but um, coming off a very nice season, really nice team, nice young pitching staff. Uh, just really haven't been able to find the same magic they found last year. And again, Cleveland last year was a team that was primarily focused on pitching um, and, and contact hitting and station to station and getting the extra base. And uh, to be perfectly honest, they're a very fun team to watch. Uh, Jose Ramirez, of course, is the the glue that holds it all together. But um, if you look at, the Guardians and the Mets' current slugging percentages you, tells a very stark story, a very you know plainly lit story. Uh, the Guardians' slugging percentage is at 341 this season. That's the worst in Major League Baseball. The Mets are at 384, which is 22nd in the league. So, uh, yeah, certainly have their issues. Certainly not without their uh, boatloads of potential. Taryn. Um, why don't you let uh let everybody know what we're uh what we're getting into now? Yeah. Um so yeah, like you said, big weekend for the Mets. Uh we're gonna see Scherzer Bieber will be pitching for the uh the the tribe. So um I have uh my one of my best friends, uh, my future brother in law, Carter, with me. Uh I I think I've mentioned this to you, Tim, but um my fiance's family all from Ohio and big time uh, Cleveland sports fans, especially the, uh, the Indians, the guardians. Um, and, uh, and so Carter, we'll talk a little, uh, talk a little tribe. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, thanks, Taryn and Tim. Appreciate uh, you guys having me. Um, Taryn and I actually had, had the pleasure of watching our beloved teams in consecutive years, lose the world series <laughs> in their own stadium. So <laughs> Taryn in 15 at the Mets to the Royals and then myself and my dad uh, to the Cubs in game seven, which really, it was really cool, but also obviously it sucked in the end. Um, but I, this weekend, honestly, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a bellwether series for both teams. I mean, it's May, so I guess that might be a bit of hyperbole, but neither team's gone up to the start of one or two. And um, we finally kind of have a big series where we get our pitching aligned uh, all three guys I trust. Ironically, one of them's a rookie who I hadn't even heard of coming into the season. And then I saw him pitching Yankee Stadium two weeks ago, and he was awesome. That's Tanner Bybee. Yeah, going against Cole. And he he stood tall. I, like, he was not scared by the moment by the Yankee fans, uh, the scum of the earth, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and and then, and honestly, the, the, the tribe has a lot of moxie. I mean, in a lot of these close games, like they don't wilt. They just can't hit. And, uh, and unfortunately last year, they kind of had felt like a bit of a team of destiny. I mean, they really did everything possible. Like I know they lost the Yankees in the end, but to take that team to five. And if that last game didn't get moved, they, the Yankees wouldn't be able to set up the pitching as well. Um, I feel good about the, the, the tribe going into this weekend. Um, even though they look like crap against the white Sox, which is, I know they won today, but still, uh, the first game will tell the tale because, uh, we got a former, Cleveland Indian Cookie Carrasco on the bump, which it'll be kind of, it's bittersweet for me to see, but uh, he was always one of my favorites. And then Frankie, of course, reunited with uh, his former mates in Cleveland. There's a lot of, there's a lot of cool narrative arcs that kind of overlap here. Yeah. I, I mean, these two teams are really kind of bonded in uh, their misery. Their, well, that, but 
but their shared future going forward, right? Because of the Lindor trade, um, which also brought Carrasco to New York. But um, last year, I, I think it looked like um, it was a, a surefire win-win, and it probably is uh, because both Rosario and especially Jimenez were great. Um, Jimenez signed that that really good extension in the offseason. He got paid, uh, and and the the tribe got him for really a, a great number for if he's going to be the type of player that he was last year. He's been a little bit down this year. Have you seen anything that kind of explains why he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year? Part of me wonders if it's just uh, the the difference in mentality between kind of everything is kind of house money doing well after kind of having a slower start to his hot prospect career to now having uh, some semblance of expectations, especially getting paid because I noticed this in the postseason last year against the Yankees. Uh, he was kind of pressing in some of his at-bats and he wasn't nearly as effective as he was in kind of the first half or first two thirds of last season. And it's a small sample size as the playoffs. It was his first go around. And so maybe he gets a pass, but uh, I, I, I wonder if that lingered that the kind of, he comes into the year feeling like he has to kind of carry the team as opposed to just, kind of taking every at bat uh, being very present in the moment because no one's thinking anything of him. And Rosario is just kind of Rosario. Uh, I've, I've never seen a guy who can look just as terrible as he does like outstanding in the same game in different at bats. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll put up these four for four games. I think it was doubleheader against the twins last year. He went something like nine for 11 in the two games or something like that. And he just has this knack for like two strike at bats, launching them into the gap on Literally, he'll he'll swing at a pitch that he shouldn't have, and he'll just crush it. And then he'll have the bats where it's runners in the corners, no outs. We need one run, and he friggin' strikes out on a horrific pitch. He has a little bias in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say a, uh, I th- I don't think he has as high of an opinion of himself. <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, a very good a- way to put it, Carter. That was a that was a perfect way to put it. Uh, um, Thank you. I, no, I think, you know, I have to agree with you as far as Rosario. You know, his plate discipline's always been uh, aggressive, you know, to a, to a fault. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, when he makes contact, and especially when he is, when I mean, and it's very obvious when he's right at the plate. Um, and when he's feeling good at the plate, um, like you said, he's a, he's a gap magnet he he will send balls where outfielders aren't and he'll take extra bases i believe he led the league in triples his first season in cleveland or at least tied for him um yeah that would surprise me at all he's got wheels oh oh he's you know very very fun player but like you said rosario is just rosario it's kind of warts and all um he's gonna give you base hits but Sure. Will there will there will there be um, lapses? Sure. Will there be you know peaks and valleys? Absolutely. But I guess show me a player who doesn't have those sort of uh, I guess pitfalls, and uh, you know I'll, I'll show you Mike, Mike Trout. <laughs> Say, oh, yeah, yeah, or Mookie. There's or, a couple or, that or, don't or, have any issues. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the the Indians have had a handful of those, and they usually end up having to leave town because I mean Lindor for all of his flaws in New York uh, when he was in Cleveland. I, I truly thought that I didn't think he'd stay for the long haul just because I, mean, I figured we could never could compete with the uh, financial heft of the big market teams, but he really seemed like an ascendant superstar. Uh, one of those players that kind of you wish could stay with one organization 
And while obviously I say that selfishly, I mean, it could be with anybody. You just kind of love seeing those players grow from being baby face rookies to kind of the leaders of their teams. And yeah. whether it's, I know Mookie went Boston to LA and that's two big markets, but it's just, he should be on the Red Sox. Like it just, those are the kinds of things that's the Red Sox fault. So I guess no sympathy yeah. there, but uh, there's just certain players that kind of really feel like they're embraced by the fans and love being there. Luckily we have Jose Ramirez who kind of epitomizes everything that you'd want in yeah. a leader. And yeah. he's, on, he's probably my favorite uh, player that's ever played, played for Cleveland at this point now. Baseball's most underrated star. I would say. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so you know, he, he publicly said, no, no, no. I could have made more money. It, from probably you know twenty other teams, but I said no. I want to stay in Cleveland. That's one. That's amazing because you don't see guys say I want to stay in Cleveland. And no. two, it's it's the level of player that he is. I know he struggled a bit this year, but he he seemed to come around at points, and he's not going to be down for long. You know that. But man, what just what an incredible part of an organization, and and the, you know the mutual love between fan and, and player and, and organization, you, you don't see it often. And it's, it's very cool to see. Yeah. I, I think people kind of laugh at Cleveland or deride it, even though, you know, I think it's a pretty good city. Uh, but if you're, you know, he's from Bonnie, Columbia, I, I think that, uh, or sorry, the, the Dominican, if you're from there, maybe, you know, Cleveland is is a really superb place to to live and have a hundred million dollars. So, well, I you know, totally name or nothing, it, it matters. You know, if you're happy, that's 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 where you are, man. That's home, and yeah, it, he's happy in Cleveland. That's awesome. Yeah, I love his candor in that when he signed that deal because he he basically said the things that we wish all players would kind of would say in those situations, which is what's at that level was another twenty million. Uh, and he said that I had my kids in Cleveland. I like grew into a man in Cleveland. Like I, my wife and I settled in, in Cleveland. Why would I want to go somewhere else where I have all these relationships just for an extra few million that won't materially affect my life? I mean, it's, it's, it's really what you wish any, any superstar would say. And I love the fact that he still uses the translator for all of his interviews when he could totally uh, not. Uh, there are several times in these interviews where he's being the local uh Tribes Island reporter will be saying something and he'll make a joke in English and Jose will laugh, but then he'll need, still need the translator to tell him what, what it was because he knows exactly what's going on. He's just yeah. such a character. I really like that about him because uh, he seems to be truly having fun, and but he's also a leader. And uh, and that's usually, it's hard to find the kind of leader type that isn't super serious, kind of a hardo in baseball, mm -hmm. uh, or at least the guy that like the other team hates. And while you take pride in that, it, it does kind of suck to see the person that you idolize be hated by so many. Yeah. Um, Aaron and I having gone to Duke where we were well uh, versed in that <laughs> type of experience, but uh, I'm, I just, it's, it's really nice to kind of love a, a player uh, that doesn't really cause a lot of anger among anybody. And it's just kind of widely regarded as just one of the, one of the good, good guys of baseball and, and, and a true star. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, an, another guy in that lineup who uh, maybe does fit the bill of, of somebody oh, that people hate would be uh, rock uh, the baby. Rock the baby. Yeah. Uh, Josh Naylor, who I think he's really the X factor for that lineup uh, last year, especially in those games against the twins where the, the tribe turned around the entire division in those games. 
I, he was on fire. I, I think that he like almost single-handedly destroyed the twins last year. And um, he is uh, a, a great player and, and, and adds a lot of pop to a lineup that doesn't necessarily have it otherwise. Um, and I know that they signed Josh Bell. I, I don't know, Tim, have you, uh, how does Josh Bell look this year? Has he been okay? Um, I know he had some issues early. He hasn't been the power guy. I guess he wasn't the power guy that San Diego expected out of him when he came over from Washington. Um, yeah. I know he's, he's, good been, at he's a doubles. I, I guess he's been more of a doubles threat, which is fine. But I guess if you're expecting one thing and getting another, it's probably kind of tough. Looking at his numbers now, his batting average, no. He's only got three home runs and he's hitting 225. So, no, that's not great. <laughs> So um, I, I mean, that was really like the one free agent move that they made. Well, they they needed power. Um, They're almost in the same position yeah. as the Mets, where they have all this average and they have all this low strikeout, and they have all this you know ability on the base paths and kind of nose to score runs. But they needed power in the lineup, and I guess they were hoping for Bell Carter. Is that kind of what the uh, what the 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 I guess hope was? Yeah, I, I honestly really like the signing when they made it because we're never going to be able to compete at the top of the market. And while he's younger, uh, it does remind me of the Mike Napoli signing um, from the oh, year that we went to World Series. Because, and he really paid off. I mean, I think they signed him to like one year, $8 million, and he had scuffled for a few years. It had been a while since his bigger years early in his career. And I think he had something like 20-plus dingers for us, and a lot of them came in the first kind of 60% of the season and he reverted to being a strikeout machine who can't run by the end of the year. But we needed those early season home runs. And it, it, when, when you have a handful of positions that are going to be below replacement level, uh, if you can just get somebody relatively cheaply that can provide some semblance of competence, uh, it's important. And, and, and for a big market team, or if you can just kind of buy someone uh, on the trade market or at a deadline, it's not as important, but like you, a, a team like Cleveland needs, the guy who will hit two jacks in a random day game in Kansas City in July. <laughs> and, because, because you can't just have the Quans and Jose's and Ramirez and Jimenez is just always carrying you. Like Jose, maybe, but they'll pitch around him. You need the guy who's a mistake hitter who will just take Detroit deep, uh, some quad A guy that is up for a doubleheader. And that's what Josh Bell is. And, and uh, that's for a team like us, they don't, go, they don't grow in trees. And so I actually really like the signing. And while he hasn't performed well, he's had a few clutch singles. I, I wish they were clutch home runs, but he actually has had a few. Um, and he seems to have decent at bats, even though they don't necessarily end well. So I'm optimistic that he'll do a little better the rest of the year. And honestly, whatever we would have put out there instead of him, if we hadn't signed him, would have been worse. So you know, I'm, I'm a big upset. Oscar Gonzalez fan. Um I, 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 yeah, I, is, he, is he on the IL or is he in the minors right now? Well, he, he, I think it was one of those situations where last year he clearly overachieved. And uh, I think that it's, you're bound to have a, a kind of come back to earth season, especially oh, for sure. a young player. Yeah. And so personally, I didn't expect a ton from him, even though I think a lot of people thought he sustained last year's success. I had that iconic moment against Tampa in that 15 inning game when he walked him off like that, that, that was cool. And he's really seemed to be uh, mature beyond his years in the bigger moments. And so uh, he's been nicked up and sucked so far. And so it's only, <laughs> we're not even two months in. And so I don't think we can really draw any conclusions. I think that he's shown enough 
last year uh, that he holds some promise for the long run. But again, baseball's tough. It's such a long season every year, whatever we, I always laugh when I look back at some of the, like the March magazines for fantasy yeah. that I had when I was a kid or like the, 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 the previews of who would be good. It's, it's, it's shocking how much of that changes, even in, within two months. And then it's just kind of almost forgotten what the expectations were. And so and, and as fans, I guess we're, we, when things don't start off good and as Mets fans, we can attest to this right now, <laughs> you know, when, you know, when things do start to turn around, which you almost wait for, and it, like, like everybody knows it's a long season, you're going to have high points, low points, what have you, you know, when they finally come around, man, you don't even think about the bad times. It's just, all right, let's keep the good times rolling. And, you know, uh, I, I know, like you said, the uh, the Guardians won today, but they had a tough series in Chicago. They're coming around. It's a very uh, tough team that you guys have to go up against a few times a year in uh, in the White Sox. But, um, yeah, I, I, these are two teams that really should be able to find their footing and be right back in the mix when uh, when things start to really, really matter. Yeah, and, and I think hopefully – whichever team has a good series this weekend can use it as a springboard to kind of get back to where they're supposed to be. Yeah. I think the Mets have more injury issues to kind of blame, but they also have uh, the extra financial might to kind of that they, their expectations, they, the, their fans should, have, should be more angry than the Cleveland fans. Cause honestly, last year felt like house money uh, for us. It was such a, like a beautiful season and really was unexpected. And, uh, and so, while it's frustrating to see them scuffle a little, if anything, it kind of just feels like uh, this is more what they should have been. And they just overachieved last season. We, we aren't going to be a world series contender every year. It's kind of a, I think one of the most remarkable achievements by a front office in baseball this century that the, that Cleveland's been a contender for the better part of the last decade. And it's, it's really, it's really impressive that we haven't had a bottoming out season or a ruts that we could we could produce guys like Lindor and we didn't Carrasco didn't come up through our system but we essentially turned him into uh, a quality player he came in the Cliff Lee deal yeah and uh it's it's amazing that we could lose guys over the last 10 15 years like CC and Cliff Lee and Victor Martinez and Lindor uh without really having any chance of keeping them got prospects back and were able to sustain uh a level of success uh, and keep churning out these anonymous pitchers who become studs. Um, <laughs> the Cleveland pitching machine is really a, a modern marvel. And, and you, you mentioned those trades. I, I think that a lot of people think about Tampa being like, if, if Tampa asks about your, <laughs> some guy that's in, Rando, yeah. yeah, on a backfield uh, in Arizona, like <laughs> you, you should re-scout that guy because he's probably really good. Um, I, I think well, let's look, look at Logan Allen. I think he had a nice day today. Um, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a guy who just put in the work and now he's really kind of reaping the benefits. Yeah, we've we've had a I, I can't tell you the last trade that we made when we had to jettison one of our stud guys. That when I read the kind of the ledger of what we got back and what we gave up, that I thought we weren't fleeced every single time it feels like we get fleeced <laughs> because on paper, it's not even like we got the other team's best prospects. We either get somebody who was used to be their best prospect and flopped and, or some random anonymous guy, or it's kind of like five nickels and we gave back a dollar. And then somehow that dollar, 
needs Tommy John as soon as he shows up at the next organization. And then one of those nickels turns into a stud. And we just had this knack for, uh, for in the, in the long run, you look back at a lot of our major trades and it almost, they almost always work out. And it started off, I realized there's been turnover in the front office, but like the fact that we were able to turn uh, the Cologne deal into Sizemore and Lee and Brandon Phillips. I know Phillips, we DFA'd him and he uh, became a sudden Cincy, but it was still a great talent eval. Uh, I guess the best way I'd put it is that if uh, we were the ones doing that, the Mookie deal to the Dodgers, like Verdugo would be the next trout now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's a perfect analogy. Oh, that was great. Uh, I know I'm excited. I, I was having a great time watching the guardians last year. I'm excited for, for their future. I like a lot of guys that are up now. I like a lot of guys that are coming up. Um, and Carter, we really, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. This has been a blast. Thank you. No, it's been a lot of fun. And um, I had good luck to the Mets on the series because I have no real will against them. I mean, it's kind of the, the we both hate the Yankees. And so uh, <laughs> let, let whoever does well this weekend, uh, let that be kind of the first step towards returning to what we thought they'd be this year. Oh, goodness. We hope so. Taryn, what are your, uh, what's on your docket for the rest of the week? Yeah, well, uh, Carter just um, had a son, so that's why I, I'm uh, with him in, in New Jersey. We came to come visit, and I'll be able to see the Mets tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. First time seeing them this year, uh, and hopefully they can keep the uh, the good feelings going. Right. You guys heard it. If you see Taryn bopping around City Field on Friday, you better say hi. Uh, otherwise, I think um, I think we're just going to leave it on the sign-off. It's let's fucking go Mets. That's, of course, a nod to Pete Alonzo. And, um, guys, we'll be back at the end of the weekend, hopefully with some good news on the Mets and little momentum keep rolling. Carter, big thanks to coming on again. Everybody, you know where to find us. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>